We all approach our careers differently and have different perspectives. But one thing we have in common is the future is yet unknown. Here at the Resilience Think Tank, we ask you to tell us, what is the future of resilience? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 79, as the Resilience Think Tank presents the Resilient Journey podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hoffman, and today I'm joined by a number of my colleagues as we discuss the future of resilience. First, I'm joined by Think Tank co-founder and managing partner, Malena Menova, as she tells us about her favorite Future of Resilience submissions. Then I'm joined by four resilience professionals who expand on their submissions and tell me why we must be connected to each other, why they're optimistic, or feel uncertain about the future. This episode is dedicated to the loving memory of Karen Beeson. So I'm joined now by Milena Maneva, who one of the co-founders, managing partners of the Think Tank, and you had the opportunity to go through the different submissions that we got talking about the future of resilience. Uh, first of all, thanks for doing this. Welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, what, were there one or two of the submissions that, that that jumped out at you? I mean, one of the things that I liked about the responses is that they covered a a lot of different topics or a lot of different focal points. So which ones jumped out at you? All of the submissions were um, amazing and we're extremely grateful for receiving um, them. Um, I'll mention a few that really stood out for me. One of them was from Cheyenne Marling. She talked about that the future of resilience is everything from building organizational readiness and response capabilities, where professionals will be tasked in reviewing an organization's resilience posture that expands outside of the conventional business continuity sphere. Cheyenne has talked specifically about the opportunity for business continuity professionals to continue to engage more and more at an executive level and expand their skill set. Another great submission was from Tina Klaskala. She talked about the future of resilience as an intentional and shared responsibility. She talked about resilience as being a concept and an application, and she talked about the difference in how resilience is perceived. Another submission that I really, really appreciated was from Alex Fulek. He thought that the future of resilience is uncertain and unknown, but he also told us that um, each of us defines resilience in our own terms and it comes from our own experience. And of course, it is our own experiences that shape um, how resilient we are. His submission was just wonderful because it just made me think that we shape the future with our thoughts. We shape the future today and it really, the future is in our hands in one way or another. And we have to think about the next generation. We have to um, do thoughtful actions today and we have to be really accountable. Just taking snippets from each of the three that you mentioned there from Cheyenne and Tina and Alex, um, they really do sort of blend together, don't they? I mean, you talk about from Tina's perspective that we need to be intentional about it. And from Alex's perspective, how we can be intentional and shape that into what we decide that to be. And then from Cheyenne's perspective, how we can then grow uh, our own brand resilience 
and even grow our own careers into the executive level. And uh, I, I like that because so many times I, I think we tend to think that we're showing up for just a job and we go do the same thing day in and day out where these points of view that you've called out today, Milena, say, no, we have some power here. We have some control here that we can shape this. Absolutely. And um, each and one of the submissions were just wonderful. And they just talk about the breadth of experience and knowledge of some of the professionals in the industry. And uh, I hope that anyone that's coming new to the industry can take this as an example and can help us shape the future of resilience together. I, I like that. Now, you've done something really helpful. Uh, people don't have to go searching through LinkedIn to find our posts on this. Uh, they can find this on the blog section of our website. Is that right? Absolutely. So anyone that um, is new to our blog, please head out to the Resilience Think Tank uh, website, click on the blog, and you can search for a category called the Future of Resilience. And you can find all the submissions that we have had um, on the topic. Um, you can also find the latest compilation in a PDF if it's easier for you to read it in that way. Um, but uh, in fact, that reminds me that we even asked ChatGPT to actually comment on the future of resilience and um you know readers can actually find a little bit more on that by reading through the post that's awesome melena thanks for taking a few minutes i appreciate all the work that you did too in uh putting uh, this campaign together in q1 for the resilience think tank so thanks for doing this my pleasure for this week's episode i spoke with four people who submitted responses to the rtt's question what does the future of resilience look like? And first to stop by was Jeff Dow. Hey, Jeff, thanks for being here. Uh, t tell everybody a little bit about your background. So my name is Jeff Dow. I work for a company called CUNY Mutual, an insurance and finance company based out of the Midwest. I lead our company's business resiliency and our corporate safety and security programs. So I, I want to talk to you a little bit about your answer to the question, uh, about the future of resilience. And what you chose to focus on was connectivity. And I really liked your answer. So uh, explain uh, where you were going with that. Yeah, so I, I think that um, one of the things that when I first started in this role, uh, our company, we did not use, had no virtual presence. You know, we did not have video um, meetings like this, Zoom teams or otherwise, right? We didn't use any of this technology. In, but I was part of a group um, out of Loma. I'm sure some of your listeners and some of your followers know what Loma is. It's a it's an insurance company, and there was a business resiliency subgroup, and we met in person. and And that peer group was very helpful. And so, as things evolved a little bit, we would we would you know try to use that group to help solve problems and things like that. And then, obviously, COVID hit, and then it, it really felt like there was an acceleration of the ability to work. Um, virtually with people all across the country, right? Or literally all across the world. So I've connected with some folks in Canada and England now um, just through business resiliency. And so I found that, um, you know, like most people, you kind of crowdsource problems in this industry, just like any other industry. And boy, I, I have to tell you, the, the people that I have interacted with are incredibly uh, generous with their time, with their ideas, with resources on how to handle problems. And we did that before COVID, but certainly, as you can probably well imagine, we would say, 
you know, who's who's in the office now, who's not who's not going back to the office, you know, who knows how to, you know, what's the current CDC recommendation? And those changed literally sometimes hour to hour, it felt like. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, with um, I, I think I put in my answer there, you know, we've got uh, climate change is is happening uh, different pieces all over the country. That's going to have uh, an impact on on people. Um, the ability for our industry to stay connected, and that's either through, like I said specifically, uh, Resiliency Think Tank is a great one. There are great resources uh, on LinkedIn. I've actually found Resiliency Think Tank through some folks on LinkedIn, and then I follow the the blog now. Um, several of the, you know, DRJ and you know some of those things I didn't really know much about. Um, and it's also it's Twitter, it's other social media, um, but it, it allows. Uh, it allows groups to rapidly exchange information during a disruptive event. And, you know, th- those are difficult to manage, whether it's COVID or polar vortex in the Midwest a few years ago or fire flooded, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I it really, you know, there's, there's, when I was uh, in it, just for business resiliency, there's only two of us in our company that run BR, myself and my partner. Yep. And this, the connectivity, the way I see it, is without a doubt, I know force multiplier gets used all the time. I don't know a better phrase to use than, you know, we just have access to so many different groups and people that if we have questions or we're stuck, uh, we, we have that ability to reach out. Our our boss, our vice president that we roll up to frequently asks, you know, how are your peers dealing with this? Can you reach out to your peer group and ask them, you know, questions? And that's incredibly valuable because I think um, – you know, I, I I know I'm a professional. My partner's a professional, and the two guys that we have in safety and security. But sometimes I think it's just you know companies want to hear an outside perspective. You know, once they once we tell them something, and then we confirm that with our peers, I think it they you know people in in the positions to make decisions say, oh okay, then we this is the right thing to move forward with. So that that's really where I see the that ability to maintain those connections. I really like what you said there because you're describing a sense of community and uh, the ability. And you use the term crowdsourcing, which I love, and I thought that was great. One of the other things I like is that you get different perspectives on things. Uh, you might get a, a more diverse perspective by asking people in a different industry or a different part of the world or whatever, a different point of view, and uh, it can challenge some of your assumptions. So I think that that was brilliant. And um, I, I appreciate your insights on that. I think that was great. Thank you. Building a sense of community and connectivity is an important aspect of what we're trying to do with the Resilience Think Tank. So stay tuned as we have more information for that in the future. Next to come by and talk about the future of resilience was David Desenza. And David's point of view is actually quite optimistic. David, thanks for dropping by and doing this. I appreciate it. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about your background. Okay. Uh, when I was with American Express, my vice president dropped by my cube one day and said, guess what? You're taking over the business continuity plan for uh, <laughs> the risk management organization. Nice. I said, oh, okay. I had a vague idea of what that was all about. Found it really interesting work and something that I, uh, I really enjoyed doing. So since somewhere around... Uh, I'm going to say 2009, I've been involved in in this field. 
uh, I left American Express and started my own uh, consulting practice in business continuity planning because who wouldn't want this service, right? That's right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> reality came up and slapped me in the face. Um, you know, we're not tremendously well loved <laughs> in the business <laughs> world, or at least we haven't been. Um, and I think the pandemic has changed all that. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. And it's an interesting sort of lead into the to the topic today because uh, the Resilience Think Tank did our program looking for people to comment on what the future of resilience looks like. And your answer was actually pretty optimistic, wasn't it? You want to talk about that? It was. Um, I see us entering what I would call a golden age mm. of uh, for this field because... Uh, the majority of companies in this country fall into the small to mid-size category. And many, if not most of them, are in the supply chain of the much larger corporations. And these much larger corporations uh, were upset that their supply chains got disrupted because their supply chain partners were not prepared to deal with disruption. And I have seen this in my own practice, really going back to when I started. Um, mm -hmm. All of the projects that I have done have been because a larger entity has told a smaller company, if you don't have a business continuity plan, we're not going to do business with you. Yeah, they're mandated. Show, yeah. We need to show or you need to show us that you are prepared to deal with disruption so we aren't disrupted. And again, as I said um, a moment ago, the pandemic has really brought this to the surface. Um, we all know what happened to supply chains and is still going on in supply chains. And uh, ever since this, um, uh, this pandemic erupted, Every project I have have done has been because a larger entity has said, you're in our supply chain, you have to have a plan. A lot of times organizations of that small to medium size always, you know, would tend to look at it as, oh, we're not that big, we don't have to worry about it. But now this mandate coming from the larger customers really changes all of that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's human nature, right? Um, nothing bad is going to happen to us. If it does, we'll figure it out, right? We'll be fine. And um, I think David Lindstrom, I think, pointed out, he said, you would be very hard to find a company that went out of business because it didn't have a business continuity plan. Hmm. It may have been a contributing factor. It certainly uh, speaks to a mindset that says, we're not going to worry about the future. We're just going to worry about today, the next couple of months. But, you know, I have found in, in this work that when people start to look at their supply chains, they suddenly realize, uh, you know, we've single sourced a couple of things right. that are critical to what we do. Uh, I worked with a, um, a firm down in Delaware. They rely on liquid oxygen for uh, their processes. They sole sourced liquid oxygen. 
Now, there are other companies, fortunately, that, that provide it, but they did not have relations with those companies. So they needed to, uh, to fix that uh, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Yeah, I like that quick, fast, and in a hurry. doesn't leave a lot of room for misinterpretation. <laughs> I, I, I want to give you a chance to speak to somebody who may be in a similar situation to what you found yourself in. Maybe their boss just came by and tapped them on the shoulder and said, congratulations, in air quotes. Uh, you're now the, the head of business continuity. What would you say to yourself looking back now that you've had a career where you've you know, definitely had some, some great experience? Uh, get certified, hmm. either through DRII or, or BCI. You know, those letters after your name lend credibility. Yep. And if you're going to be called into a, uh, an executive meeting, you need all the credibility that, that uh, you can get. Also, figure out how business continuity planning fits into the organization. I teach a class through Marcus Evans, and uh, I was speaking with, with a couple of the students during a break, and I said, you know, being in a BC role, in a leadership role, actually puts you on a leadership track. Who else knows the full breadth of the company but you? Right. You're working with every department. And that would be my advice to anybody who, who gets tapped to, uh, to join this, uh, this illustrious vocation of ours. All right. David, thanks for coming by. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for the opportunity, Mark. I appreciate it. Not everyone was completely optimistic about the future of resilience. One of my favorites, Betty Kildow, dropped by, and she and I caught up as we talked about the future being somewhat uncertain, but ours to control. Betty, thanks thanks for dropping by. Um, before we get to your answer about the future of resilience, just uh, remind everybody a little bit about your background. Um. I guess I am a senior in business continuity. I've been involved in doing this since before business continuity existed. It was called business recovery first, then became business continuity. Been doing this for about 30 years. Lots of different companies and organizations, all aspects of business continuity. Uh, I consult, I train, I write. Uh, I'm very involved in and very dedicated to business continuity. You are, and you're one of uh, our favorites, and, and I'm really happy that you participated in the think tank's question, because it's nice, isn't it, to think about the future of resilience. But your answer was, nah, it's kind of hard to define what that future looks like. Explain what you meant. Well, I, again, we're working on this, and things change. Uh, if you want to go back to the point where disaster recovery came first, then business continuity was added. And now we have big new kinds of threats that we're worrying about, cybersecurity, those kinds of things. So business continuity has gotten bigger, but it's gotten more segmented also. Hmm. Uh, our biggest worry in the world, I can remember when we started doing this, was natural disasters. Right. And we have gone so far beyond that that it's, you know, it's it's almost unbelievable as I look back over our history. And so when we start talking about resilience, uh, as I said before, we have to decide what we want real resilience to be. 
we have to find a common denominator. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. We're going to evolve to that like we ultimately evolved to people understanding the difference between disaster recovery and business continuity. Maybe. Resilience will be the overarching umbrella that will include all of these other things. And maybe that's the answer. But if that's the answer, one of my big concerns is that, that we will continue to develop and work within silos. So a, a kind of a, a, a two views of that, if you will. Does that translate to a pessimistic view of the future of resilience, or is it just uncertain? It's just really uncertain. Um, resilience is here, and it's here to stay. So I think what the resilience think tank is doing is amazing because you're really going after this. And But I, we still do not have that common denominator, that common definition. If I go out and talk to clients and I ask one, what is resilience for your organization? And then I ask three more, the definition will not be the same. If we don't have a definition, we can't measure it. If you don't know what it is, how do you know you have it? <laughs> You're right about that. Now, what do you think the problem is? Why are we having such difficulty as an industry in coming to grips, coming to terms, coming to an agreement on what the word resilient means? I think it goes back to us all being human beings. Uh, some, some people, you say, oh, we're going to change this. We've got this new approach. It's called resilience. And they say, yes count me in let's go after this let's make let's make this change let's make this evolution and as we all know <laughs> because we've worked with people in the past there are others say we're fine as we are we don't need to change this we don't need resilience we've been doing resilience we just call it business continuity right and really drag their feet i think that's one of the one of the pieces of that difficulty in making this or any other change. So my little segment with you here on this topic is going to probably generate some feedback. I like feedback in the podcast. Uh, of course, we all like it when people say, hey, that was a, a wonderful episode. Great conversation. Thank you for doing that. But I also don't mind it when people do what they've done anytime I talk about resilience. Oh, well, you didn't really answer the question. Oh, you're confusing the terms. Oh, this, that, or the other. Uh, mm -hmm. And I suspect we're probably going to get some of that uh, here today, um, but but I would welcome that. Yeah, I would I would be amazed, Mark, if we did not, right? Because it's still that kind of a topic. Betty, thanks for dropping by. I appreciate your input as always, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you. You too. You know, I always love talking with you. Thank you, Mark. Betty wasn't the only one who said the future of resilience is uncertain. Kenton Friesen came by and explained why the future is a bit of a mixed bag, and it's unnecessarily complex. Kenton, thank you for dropping by. I appreciate your uh, participation in this little all-star version of the podcast. Uh, before we get into your answer around the future of resilience, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. I'm, again, Kenton Friesen. I'm born and bred Winnipegger. I've had my entire life and career here. so. Um, I've been very fortunate to have that. And yes, I do like living in Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. My experience is over 20 years. Uh, and I'm going to say that first, 
and foremost, I'm a geographer. And it's important to note because there's a, a way of thinking, a systematic or systems way of thinking that has been very valuable for my career. Over that career, I've worked for a consulting firm, a health authority, a post-secondary university, uh, a public insurance organization, mm -hmm. the Royal Canadian Mint, and now Great West Life Co., a private insurance company. I'm glad you took a, a few seconds and walked through the different aspects of your career because it speaks to this next question, which is the future of resilience and the answer that you provided to the Resilience Think Tank. So you're not just coming at this from one particular perspective. You've really been able to, to look at this from a very holistic background. And so when we asked, what's the future of resilience, your answer was a little bit good and a little bit uncertain. Talk about uh, what you told us. I've talked to many different colleagues about the concept of resilience over the years, and it's getting a lot of airplay right now. And there's a lot of confusion. A lot of people don't know what it means. There's, uh, I'm even uh, doing a present, writing a presentation for ISACA Winnipeg, in which I'm going to touch on resiliency. There's engineering resiliency. There's building resiliency. And as a son of an architect, is that the building you're building or are you building resiliency in the person? There's hmm. personal resilience. There's technical resilience. There's business resilience. All the, these words in front of that re word resilience mean different things to different people. Sure. And even in, in my employers that I've been working for, they've been like, we want a resilient workforce. And you take the HR training and it's all about your own mental health. So like there's personal resilience. Well, personal resilience is what you need for the, your employees so that you as an organization can be resilient because the people are a major component of that. It's really so it's interesting because a, a lot of times we think of business continuity as the quick recovery after something happens. Now we're we're graduating from that, right? We're moving towards yep. more mitigation and, and more preparedness. It, in your answer, you talked about how am, ambiguous it is and the dangers if we don't start to to get out of some of that ambiguity about us, maybe even potentially fading into irrelevance. Talk a little bit about that. I think it happens with hot topics where, you know, a topic will come up and different professionals and different academics and all that will have different perspectives on it, but no one really gets, comes together and goes, this is what it should be. So yeah. on, on the positive side, you know, like with, with business continuity management, we now have like the NFPA 1660, the CSA 1600, the ISO 22301, and the whole 22300 family. Right. It's evolved so that there's a body of knowledge and that we can buy into it. It didn't fade into irrelevance. It's actually now part of regulations and, and whatnot. And, and like enterprise risk management, operational risk management, um, all of these things are starting to coalesce and come together and gel. And now a new phrase comes along going resilience. And people are going to go, well, isn't that just enterprise risk management? Isn't that just operational risk management? Isn't that business continuity management? And the answer is a little bit yes to all of them. And, and like I've, I've seen resilience master's programs and really it's a business continuity degree. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I don't really see a fully developed resilience program because it's still not mature enough to be resilient. You said it's unnecessarily complex the future of resilience. What's the secret to making it simple? So I kind of asked ChatGPT this question. This is 
is what it came up with. It's actually not bad, but probably needs to play with. The ability of a system, community, entity, organization, or individual to anticipate, prepare for, withstand, recover from, and adapt to adverse events, change, or crisis situations while maintaining its core purpose and integrity. Where you and I come into this is, okay, if that's what it is, what we bring to the table is how do we do it? appreciate you um, taking the time to do this. Thank you for your insights on it. And thanks for stopping by. You're very welcome. I want to thank my guests for dropping by today. Thanks to Melena for stopping in and giving us her thoughts about the responses. And for Jeff, Kenton, Betty, and David for adding their commentary to the submissions that they had made. What do you think the future of resilience looks like? What's the future look like? I posted some time ago on LinkedIn that I'm struck by the concept of tomorrow and how for some there is none or perhaps just a bleak one. When you think about tomorrow, give thanks for all that it might hold.